So on the latest episode of the Press Rewind, Prince Lyrics Podcast, I'm joined again by Leslie Ballard, and we're going to talk about the song Mountains, the first song that kicks off Side B in the Parade album. And if I'm speaking personally, it's my favorite song on the entire album in general. So I'm excited to uh, to really talk about this song with you, Leslie. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. I'm excited too, and uh, it's uh, one of my two favorite. I can't I can't choose one favorite on Parade, uh, but yeah, it, it's up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of great songs in it. But if somebody was forcing me, like held a gun to my head and say, pick one song off the album, yep. that's it. I I would probably pick Mountains. You know, just because I think the the groove is so infectious. Uh, I love the music. I love the melody. And to be quite honest, the the lyrics are something I've never really put a lot of thought into. Mm. So I'm I'm pretty ex- I'm pretty excited to discuss the lyrics with you because it's there's not a lot of them, but the chorus is very memorable, uh, easy to sing along to. It's only mountains, and but all the other words in the verses, I've heard them. I under I've you know I've comprehended them but I've never really thought too much about them. Yeah. So this is something that is going to be kind of a, a learning experience for me to get somebody else's opinion on what Prince is trying to convey in this song. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of the song's presence in the movie under the cherry moon, it's kind of widely known as the, the, the closing credits song. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. It, I love it's, placement in the film for that because how the movie ends is it has like this originally like this downbeat tone because spoiler alert christopher tracy dies at the end of under the cherry moon (laughs) but you know there's some happy endings for tricky and mary and so you know there's some happiness going on there and then you've got the the scene where the show's prince and I assume he's Prince now. He's not Christopher Tracy anymore. But if you're watching the film, you can believe it's Christopher Tracy up in heaven singing this song with this band, which, of course, is the revolution, the expanded version of the revolution. And you're treated to like this song in its entirety in the in the closing credits, which is a great placement for it, because a lot of the other songs you just get pieces of. Right. Like in the film, you just get like a little snippet of this song, a little snippet of that song. But you get the whole thing for mountains, and that's awesome because mountains is great. So I like its I like its placement in the film because you get the whole thing. I agree. It's one of my favorite Prince videos too. Yeah, it's so I it's just so love fun. It. <laughs> it's so fun. And then, like I said, it's the extended version of the Revolution. So you've got uh, Miko, you've got um, Eric in Atlanta, you've got the dancers Wally and Jerome and Brooks. So it's not the revolution that we all saw and got used to with Purple Rain, but it's it's like a bigger expanded version of it to to kind of mimic the the st- the sound and style that Prince was putting out there with the Parade album. So it it totally fits. It was a single. It was the album's second single after Kiss. And while it didn't quite cross over in the same way that Kiss did, I mean, it didn't make the top ten on the pop charts. It still did okay. It was, uh, you know, it made it to like number twenty something or in the pop chart, which is, which is uh, completely respectable. Um, but considering that it was the second single from the album, that wasn't quite um, probably the hope that the record label had for this song, and it kind of is a similar in almost 
same way that um, the second single on Around the World a Day, although Pop Life did better than Mountains, but it just wasn't quite the same where he had multiple number ones like he did on Purple Rain or multiple top 10 songs like he did on 1999. So I think it should have done better on the charts, but I'm, I'm just, you know, it's, it's really kind of a moot point in 2021 <laughs> talking about the pop charts from 1986 and, and Mountain's placement uh, from a historical context, but it does. I wish this was considered one of, you know, his big hits because I love it so much, I guess. You know, it's funny. I, I've, I've heard people actually refer to this as a deep cut, which I, I laugh at. I mean, you probably would too as, you know, yeah. hardcore fan, but I mean, you know, to the casual fan, I guess it might be. Um, but I think about too, you know, if under the cherry moon had done better, maybe this song would have been more mainstream. Um, oh yeah. For you know, sure. to have it push it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Considering, like I said, it was in the ending credits and right. you got to hear the whole thing. If Under the Cherry Moon was a smash, yeah, I, I don't see how there was any way that this wouldn't have been a top 10 hit. And yeah, to call it a deep cut, I guess it just depends on your perspective. It depends <laughs> right. on how much of his career you know. Um, I'm trying to think, did Mountains even make it onto the Hits and B-Sides collection? I don't I think so. say no, yeah. And so that didn't help its cause because you know that was a it sold well that collection sold well and that was really kind of aimed at the more casual fan somebody who just didn't care about the albums just wanted a collection of all of prince's greatest hits from 70s and 80s and early 90s and uh to not put this on there just kind of uh tells us as you know the, the hardcore fam as you mentioned that this song wasn't that um, highly regarded by the record label, at least. And like, ah, you know, we could put it on there, but let's let's throw on Soft and Wet just to, you know, as a representation of Prince's early work, something that didn't do as well on the on the charts, but means more from, like I said, a historical context because it was his first quote unquote hit. So right. I get it. I get why they didn't put it on there, but it didn't help the song become as well-known as it should have or could have been. Um, it also is kind of notable, as it is officially the last single with Prince and the Revolution that charted. I mean, it wasn't their last single, because it was one more single that was released off this album, and this is a Prince and the Revolution album. But it was the very last Prince and the Revolution song to chart on the Billboard Top 100. So... Um, it is what it is. It's just kind of like one of those footnotes. Like if anybody asks you on <laughs> Prince Trivia <laughs> Night, what was the last Prince and the Revolution song to hit top 40? Yeah. The, yeah, the answer is Mountains. So there you go. <laughs> I think it wasn't the first time we hear Atlanta Bliss on recording with Prince as well. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah I yeah. was thinking that. You got it. That's another kind of little trivia piece that should belong when we're talking about this song. Uh, in terms of credits, um, Wendy and Lisa are credited with a lot of, you know, rec um, writing of the music. Prince's credit primarily with the lyrics. Their vocals are interspersed throughout the song, very memorably, like they often are in the Revolution era. Uh, you know, they both, all three of them sing in the chorus, and you've got um, the call and response, kind of pseudo call and response towards the end of the song, which I love. So I just. I just like this song so much for all of those reasons, for its for its groove, for its um, collaborative feel, 
it's it's just one of those songs that I never get tired of. And I can't say that about every Prince song, but I think it's just because it didn't get overplayed so much in my youth that now when I hear it, I don't have I don't have 40, 35 years worth of, um, you know, plays on this song. I mean, I didn't and hearing it on the radio all the time. So it just it still seems fresh to me. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say with that. Yeah, and like you and I were messaging earlier this morning, uh, I guess five years ago on Facebook, I posted, uh, you know, if you need a, a mood boost to pick me up, then, you know, listen to Elephants and Flowers followed by Mountains. Like it, this always, this song always puts me in a fantastic mood. Um, mm-hmm. Love it. I love it on my running playlist. Like it, it just always, like I said, it picks me up. Yeah, it's great. The The album version is not that long it's just over three minutes long pretty pretty standard pop song length but uh like a lot of great 12 inch singles there is an extended version of the song that reaches the 10 minute mark and (laughs) you know uh a 10 minute print song is not an anomaly there's plenty of them out there whether they're remixes whether they're just album songs that extend past the 10 minute mark uh, I mean, America from around the world in a day is a famous example of a Prince Jam going well into <laughs> into the 20 minute mark. So 10 minutes seems kind of short. And I'm like, oh, OK, 10 minute, 12 inch mix. That's that's like normal length for a Prince 12 inch. So and um, it's mostly groove, too. I mean, there's really no additional lyrics to, to speak of on the 12 inch of mountains, which other 12 inches. 12 inch singles oftentimes have additional lyrics that uh, can be spoken about or interpreted or dissected, but not, not mountains. It's mostly just additional groove, which is cool because it's a great one. Can't go wrong with additional groove. No, not when it's as good <laughs> as mountains is groove. No, absolutely. So yeah, you had mentioned Leslie that this is one of your personal favorites on the album. And I think it, when you kind of pull like the hardcore Prince fans, they will certainly, this gets, this gets listed a lot. We're not alone in our enjoyment of this song in our, you know, feeling that this is a really, really strong song, strong single, strong album track, whatever you want to call it. It's, I know I can think of many, many people I've talked to over the years that really highly regard this song. And, but in terms of the lyrics, I still this is where I want to start getting into it because yeah. I <laughs> I don't want to call them inscrutable, but for me they kind of borderline in that. And 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 I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like I think they can just be interpreted so many different ways, it's hard to really pin them down. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just one of those kind of frustrating things for somebody like me who's got a podcast to kind of dissect Prince <laughs> lyrics and I just like if I did this episode by myself, I would feel like I would have to poll a bunch of people to get different opinions because I feel like there is I, you and I could do this this show today and come up with you know some theories about what he's talking about, and I could pull in somebody else tomorrow and we could have a completely different conversation. Um, that's how open ended I feel like these lyrics are. I don't know. Do you kind of feel the same way, or do you really feel like it's it's kind of about, kind of about this one thing? And 
that's um, what, we're, what it is. You know, like the second verse, uh, which obviously we'll get to in a little while. Um, I, I've always had an image in my mind of exactly what it refers to, but obviously I never asked Prince. <laughs> so, right, uh, right. You, you know, I don't know. It's just my opinion and, and perception, but I, I'm interested to hear, you know, what you think and, and what, what you feel about him. <laughs> okay. All right. So <laughs> right, kick, kicking off the song. And like I said, there's not a ton of lyrics. There's like one long verse, a chorus and a shorter verse. And then they just keep going through the chorus again until the song ends. So um, the first grouping of lyrics, and I think I'll break them up into two sections because the first verse is fairly long and I feel like it goes in different directions. So. First lines are once upon a time in a land called fantasy. 17 mountains stood so high. The sea surrounded them and together they would be the only thing that ever made you cry. So that's where I'm going to stop. It's not that's not the entire verse, but that's where I'm going to stop for now. Um right off the bat, you know, it, you kind of get the impression he's it's not kind of like a story song, but more of like a fable or i mean mountains and seas i feel like is a clearly a clear metaphor but for what you know and i think this is where the different interpretations or different thoughts about this song can lead us in different directions because i have that written in my notes mountains and the sea a metaphor for question mark <laughs> so, <laughs> so um just some things that that stood out to me right off the bat he talks about 17 mountains. So that's just, again, hearkening back to his prince's appreciation and uh, enjoyment of including the number seven in his lyrics, speaking about it. And, and specifically in this song, 17, in just a couple years earlier, he had a song called 17 Days 17 as days. the B-side. So seven, 17, these are, these are numbers that, you know, if you're a numerologist, you're going to find a lot of examples of this in his lyrics. So I don't put a lot of stock into, well, why 17? I think it's just a number that he liked. Um, but for I don't know, like for me, with it leading off with Once Upon a Time, like a fairy tale or a fable, like I mentioned, you know, in a land called fantasy. And... He's trying to like paint a picture of, I think, a little bit of um, a world where, you know, these metaphors exist and you've got all of these mountains that can represent, I suppose, really anything. But the way I kind of think of them, especially in, com in combination of the second verse, is more of um, temptations or things that humans desire things that can potentially take our focus away from, you know, a greater calling or something that's more spiritual based. Um, so what are you, what are your, some, of, some of your thoughts, Leslie, on this first section of lyrics? One of the things that stands out to me is that it seems like, at least in this kind of earlier era, when Prince is wanting to get spiritual or deep, um, he, he goes into allegory or storytelling mode a lot. 
like like mm-hmm. you were mentioning, you know, the once a once upon a time in a land, like he did that on the ladder too, just on yeah. the previous album. You know, so it makes me think about that. And then even to some extent, like Moonbeam Levels is is a similar type of um story, you know, allegory in a way, or at least it's about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think about that. Um and then you were mentioning the number 17. Um, I'm no numerologist myself either, but I, I Googled it, like 17 numerology. Like what what did 17 mean? And and who knows if he consciously knew this. Um, I don't know if he had numerology books or what, but um one source that I found says that the number 17 uh stands for compassion, self-confidence, strength, and spiritual consciousness. And to me, that kind of goes along with the theme of the song, like you know, one interpretation of mountains in the sea could be high points and low points, or, you know, as you mentioned, maybe temptation and possibly tears. Um, but that we as spiritual beings can overcome those. Um, so, you know, like I said, I don't know if that was purposeful, but um, that was kind of a neat discovery to, to read about, you know, what some consider 17 to mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did that because uh, I was always just kind of thinking like, he likes seven so much and sings about seven so much. Uh, you know, it's the day he was his birthday and just using that number. Like I, my daughter was born on January 11th. So 11 is her number. And she's mm-hmm. like, she's always like, okay, my favorite number is 11. And I, and I never really looked at my birthday as being significant. It's just another, just another number, a day of the year. So, I just thought it was like an extension of that, but you know, and to your point, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it is interesting to know that there is some, one can make a correlation between 17, 17's meaning from a numerology standpoint and some of the themes that he's addressing in this song. So that's, it's an interesting fact factoid <laughs> and you know he uh, could have just needed a three-syllable number yeah <laughs> right it yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know i just i found it interesting but it's kind of cool to think of it, if it was that deep <laughs> that's what we like to do here on the show <laughs> we like to we like to apply deep meaning sometimes and you just wonder if it's just us or if it was really intentional and All right. that's it's kind of the fun about it though too it's kind of yeah. fun and but i do like to preface it preface any kind of statement and say like this is just we're just putting that out there we don't know and we'll never know so the next grouping of lines you said the devil told you that another mountain would appear every time somebody broke your heart he said the sea would one day overflow with all your tears and love will always leave you lonely. All right. So with these lines now he brings in, and this is where you kind of, if you weren't already getting a spiritual vibe from the song, the inclusion of the devil in this, in this allegory or story certainly brings that to the forefront. Now, like you're thinking, okay, he's bringing the devil into this. So, He's he's clearly wanting to teach us something or speak on something that he feels very strongly about. And spirituality was was less overt in Purple Rain, but it's absolutely there. 
moreover on around the world in a day. And at this point, you know, th- there's not a lot of that on parade, but he does slip some in. And this is, this is certainly, I think an example of that. And for him to say the devil told you another mountain would appear because if we're, if we're taking the approach that, you know, the mountains are highs, mountains and sea high, low temptation, tears, for the devil, and that's the reason why I originally thought more of temptation, because let's say hypothetically we've got these highs and lows in our life, everybody does. Why would the devil have to be the one to kind of approach us and say more mountains would appear, meaning highs? Why would it have to be kind of correlated to something negative or something evil? Is it because it's maybe a false? A false, um, false high, a false peak, something that we shouldn't be chasing, even though it makes us feel good. Like some of the, that's where like some of the sins or temptations that, and we know Prince struggled a bit with those temptations of the flesh, as he talks about in the song Temptation. <laughs> I mean, that's really what that song's about is, is uh, Prince the character or Prince the musician struggling with his temptations of the flesh. And I just thought that was interesting that, you know, you have to think of mountains now almost as like bad things in some ways, which I wouldn't have thought of if he hadn't included this line. Yeah, I think about um, this line as well. uh, That's always kind of confused me a little bit. You know, why would a mountain appear every time somebody broke your heart? Like to me, mountains have always felt majestic and, you know, monuments to nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, in tradition, the devil is, you know, a deceiver, um, you know, things like that. And I think about, you know, maybe, um, you know, the song starts out where there's already 17 mountains there. Right. Yeah. So we, we learn a few lines later that we've at least had 17 heartbreaks at this point in the song. And, you know, maybe the devil is, is trying to deceive us and say, you know, I know you hope that you're going to have good times, but look at this. Every time you love someone, they break your heart and another mountain pops up. It's like a, a memorial to past love mm. that's, that could be hurtful, you know? Um, so that's kind of the way I view it now. I don't know if that's right, but um, that's the way I make sense of that line. Yeah. Yeah, I get that because otherwise it, it, it does kind of confuse confuse us as the listener if we're trying to figure out what he's what the intention is by talking about that and applying the whole mountains and devil like the devil is saying that we're going to see more mountains and the whole highs and lows aspect or the you know interpretation can still apply if you think of them as maybe some of the things we chase to counter heartbreak or counter pain whether it's alcohol or sex or drugs or whatever it is that we're chasing a mountain i mean i mean you could also even <laughs> think of it from the tlc song waterfalls like right. things that things that we chase after and it's another analogy or metaphor using nature um but are they the are they the right things should we be doing that? Should we be placating our our desires 
with these unholy mountains. Maybe there's something else that we should be filling our time with or filling our, you know, the emptiness that we have inside due to heartbreak or whatever, our losses, whatever they may be. Because the, the, there's mention here that uh, you said the sea would one day overflow with all your tears and love will always leave you lonely. So that those lines also are trying to, I think, like you said, the, the devil is a deceptor. So for for him to say that and, and say that these are lines, these are words that the, the devil is saying, he said, I take that to mean the devil, right? that love will always leave you lonely. And, you know, we don't, be, we don't believe that. I don't believe that Prince believes that, you know, that's not what he's trying to say. Like, yeah, love sucks. <laughs> you know, uh, Love hurts. Uh, love is a bastard. No, I think he's saying the devil is telling you this, but, it's not true. Right. Love will love will conquer if you just believe, which is, you know, one of the lines leading up into the chorus. So he said the devil will one day overflow with all your tears and love will always leave you lonely. But I say it's only right. mountains and the sea. Love will conquer if you just believe. So there you go. There's the kind of like the don't listen to the devil's words here. It's not true. Um Love will not leave you, not always leave you lonely, despite of maybe what your, um, what your life experience might tell you. Those seventeen heartbreaks that are referred back to at the beginning doesn't mean number eighteen is also going to leave you lonely. You have to keep trying. You just have to believe. So. And even if those, even if those mountains are there because of heartbreak, look what you conquered. Right, you're you're still here. Mm, yeah. um you know that that's the way i kind of I, I hear that as well yeah yeah it's almost it's like a trying to uplift um with those like reminders that are going to be things that try to keep you down heartbreak that's going to keep you down losses that will try to keep you down but um if you just believe you know you'll you'll get past it you'll conquer it and you'll move on and you'll be stronger for it So the chorus is then, of course, it's only mountains and the sea. There's nothing greater, you and me. Pretty simple. Uh, I think it's effective. It's easy to remember. It's in the way it's sung. It's only mountains. And so it's there's a lot of really kind of cool vocal vocals going on here with Prince and Wendy and Lisa. It's just... Um, you sing it and you're not even sure like what is necessarily being meant if you're not paying attention, but it doesn't make any difference. Like it's one of those songs you could sing the chorus, having absolutely no idea what he's trying to say here, but nobody cares because it's just it's just so it feels good. Fun. Yeah, it feels good to sing it. It's like uh, almost like gospel in some ways. It feels feels like that. 
Um, do you, from in terms of like the, the chorus itself, I mean, it's just kind of reiterating a little bit of those last lines of the first verse, love will conquer if you just believe, there's nothing greater you and me, nothing greater than love. That's that's really what I get out of it. Do you get anything different? Yeah, no, nothing really much more deep than that. You know, just that the power of, of human love, you know, to conquer sadness or heartbreak or yeah, thing, yep. negative things like that. Loneliness. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of loneliness, um, that's what he, he reiterates that doubles down basically on talking about loneliness and how it can really bring us as the human human race down if we if we let it with this second verse Once upon a time in a haystack of despair. Happiness sometimes hard to find, yeah. Africa divided, hijacked in the air. It's enough to make you want to lose your mind. So it's this hard is hard to uh, say that without singing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought about that. I'm like, and I've, and I've started to do that with some some of the songs where you almost have to say the words in at least in the same like beat as how it's being sung, even if I'm not going to sing it like Prince. I almost have to use the same beats. It stops and starts to make it sound and flow properly. But anyway, I did my, I did my best with that one, but um, (laughs) it is, it is a tough one, but this is, this, this verse is all about the, you know, kind of speaking to the negativity and speaking to the things that our society in 1985, 86 was presenting to those who were paying attention at least and uh you know the 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 sadness and despair that he refers to once upon a time in a haystack of despair which is kind of a fun way of just saying once upon a time you know when basically shit sucked uh, <laughs> right. and here, here here's why um happiness is sometimes hard to find africa divided which uh, i think is Unless you have a different interpretation, I think that's clearly a re- reference to the apartheid. Um, do you see anything else out of that when he's saying Africa is divided? That's probably primarily what it was, especially given that the summer of 1985 was a, a tipping point um, in, in South Africa. It was white hot, not to, yeah. you know, I mean, really, that, that's what it was about, right? Um, and I, I, that, I think that was probably top of the news and, and top of mind for him. I think you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, we were still uh, half a dozen years or so from um, apartheid being uh, the apartheid legislation being repealed. I think that was like in the early '90s, and Mandela was still in prison at that point. So yeah, I mean it's it's a big deal. It was I remember the um, uh, Sun City movement. There was a, a music video, and there was certainly some exposure media exposure on that in the mid 80s so it just makes sense that that's what he's referring to but if certainly if anybody else has any other knowledge of events in africa that might have 
led him to say Africa divided, but I mean segregation. That's I mean literally division. So right, feels exactly. feels like it's the right interpretation for the moment, especially at the time. And hijacks in the air. I mean it. I just did a quick I, like you Google seventeen. I'm like, oh, how many how many hijacks plane hijacks were there around this time? And I lost count. I mean, there was so many. I I couldn't. I started to count them, and once I got past twenty, and and I I was like, okay, seventies. How many nineteen seventies airplane hijacks were there? And I was in the twenties before I got through nineteen seventy one. And I said, okay, forget this. And I scrolled down to the eighties, and I was just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and like, holy shit. Uh, you know, I mean, I was a kid at the time, so I wasn't paying that close attention to world news and and things like that. But it was. Man, there was a lot of plane hijackings. And this is worldwide. This isn't just the United States. There was a lot of plane hijackings worldwide. One that it looked like there was one notable U.S. plane that was hijacked in uh, the summer of 85, which I'm sure would have been all over the news in the United States, obviously. Um, And just the fact that it was kind of a, a phenomenon, for lack of a better term, this was a way to get uh, political political factions to get attention and, you know, terrorist-type events. And almost like anytime you boarded a plane in a foreign land, you almost kind of had to worry a little bit about that. That was a real thing, a real concern. I think you're right. Um, you know, if, if we think about the time where he would have been writing these lyrics, you know, if, if Wendy and Lisa brought him the demo music in October, November, 85 he would have probably had top of mind things from the summer and fall of that year. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why I was thinking, you know, apartheid South Africa, uh, you know, reaching a fever pitch that summer, which it did, I think in like June, July, and then uh, TWA flight 847 was I think June 14th of 85. And it was into that fall still top of the news, Um, you know, investigation and prosecution and, and all kinds of things like that. So that's, like we mentioned at the beginning, those two events have always been my assumption of, of what this verse was about. Um, of course, may not be an exhaustive list, but just knowing what it would have been in the news, I think that's likely. Yeah. Yeah, and I did look up Sun City quick, and it, and it was written in 85, and um, that was the, the protest song that, mm-hmm. um, you know, the institutional racism that was occurring in South Africa around that time. So yeah, it, it all lines out in terms of um, timing for the song to be written and to use those two representations to speak of just kind of like the despair that he's trying to portray here. And some of the reasons why people would be kind of down uh, around this time, just in general, like what's, what's the stuff that's going on in our society in 1885 that makes us worry, that makes us concerned, that that makes us sad knowing that there's people dying and, um, there's all these events in the world that just don't feel like they're, they're just not right, you know? And then those of us with scruples know that they're not right. What can we do about it? It makes you want to lose your mind because you feel like you're in some ways helpless to prevent some of these events from happening. And, and, and I like the fact that, well, like if, if this would have been the same kind of structure as the first verse that he would have followed this up maybe with some more upliftment, 
but he doesn't. He just goes straight back into the chorus because really the chorus is intended to be the uplifting, uplifting moment of the song. You don't really have to add more lyrics to uplift and to get you to the listener to, um, you know, take that next step. Like, here's the stuff that sucks, but guess what? It's only mountains in the sea. Love will conquer if you just believe, which, you know, maybe feels a little trite uh, in some ways when, when you're talking about apartheid and, and plane hijackings to just say if you love will conquer if you just believe. It doesn't really fix some of those situations, but maybe if nothing else, it puts the person, the listener in a different frame of mind where they feel like they can make a difference in some of these other situations. Like if you're happy and you have that love in your heart, you can, you can share that love with others so you can be a good person. I, I do think it's clever that he uses the needle in a haystack analogy, right? Um, you know, happiness is that needle that's hard to find in the haystack. But the implication mm, yes, is yeah, that, that, is a good that analogy. yeah, the implication is that it's still worth looking for, right? We we shouldn't fall into despair and lose our mind because, like you said, that's that is when he transitions back into. But I say it's only mountains in the sea, like it's still worth looking for happiness and perpetuating happiness and, and love. Um, it's the way I, I hear that. Yeah. And it's a really good message overall, especially as we struggle here in early 2021 with, I mean, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. It's not ending anytime soon in the United States, at least. So there's probably a lot of, there's a lot of depression. I would imagine in our country at this time, people who are depressed about, the the situation the pandemic um maybe situation with our country being divide feeling like it's a divided country from a political standpoint there's there's still reasons i mean we maybe we're not all thinking about hijacks and and apartheid in south africa anymore but we have our own issues in 2020 2021 that we're dealing with that you know we our haystack of despair as a society is pretty it's pretty big haystack i would think at this point i mean i don't want to try to bring it bring us down and be depressing but it's a tough time right now we're we're all it's a tough time in this world and and you know i'm specifically speaking about our country when i'm talking about um you know the political aspects of it but i know that it's not other countries are dealing with this as well it's not just the united states we're not unique to have a divided kind of country, politically speaking. So insert other concerns that are causing maybe despair and making that haystack seem really tall. But that needle of of love, needle of happiness, is uh, is, is worth is worth looking for. And that this song is a, is a great reason. And as you mentioned in your reference to um you know elephants and flowers and mountains just being songs that uplift and make you happy if you're feeling down it's because the lyrics are telling us to you know it the music even if with no lyrics the music is enough i think but then you throw these lyrics on top of it and it's all just it's all great it's all golden it's 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 doing exactly what it's intended to do from a lyrical standpoint and a musical standpoint and that's uplift and make you happy absolutely it's only mountains and the sea. There's nothing greater. You and me. 
and we get a musical breakdown at this point and there's really no additional new lyrics but this part is fun because you've got Guitars and drums on the one, huh? That I, 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 I don't know. I can't, I can't not repeat that and say those exactly. lines along with yeah. the song. <laughs> and maybe like a drum hit on your steering wheel, right? If you happen to be driving. That's, yes, that's yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do that too. Or, um, and then the next one that is fun is when I think in the video it shows like Lisa doing it. I can't, you know, when they're just speaking, I can have a hard time telling Wendy and Lisa's speaking voices apart unless i'm in a song like if i hear them talking just like on a podcast or something like that on the radio i can tell them apart but in the song it's hard to tell because they're kind of like yelling at I'll be on the drama <laughs> and then you see lisa pointing to him in the in the video and i do that too i do the pointing even though i'm point literally pointing to nobody <laughs> it's just it's just the action of pointing towards the drummer um, yeah it's funny a couple years ago i was um at the uh paisley five and dime summer party that they have shout out to eric and well, that sounds like fun <laughs> yeah and, and bobby was the guest speaker oh, man. and uh yeah. and the coolest thing, like I, I always have this memory now, ever since that event, uh, when that song came on, you know, getting to yell Bobby on the drama and point to him, you know, and catch his his wife uh, Vicky's eye, like that was so much fun. That was such a yeah. cool moment. But yeah, oh, I remember yeah. that now. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I think I miss. <laughs> I think I miss those kind of events, like being able yes. to attend those types of events. Um, yeah, I had a had a Paisley. Had a Paisley Park Minneapolis trip canceled last summer. I think a lot of people did, um, which bummed me out to no end because I was really looking forward to it. Uh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> I, I, I just I just uh, climbed the top of my haystack of despair, so I got to get through this. It's well, only we'll, mountains. We'll and find the, sea. the needle next time we're at uh, Paisley together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. And another thing I like, I mean, just again, it's only mountains and the sea. And the girls say, yeah, Prince adds that little little additional line in there. And then, you know, because then he lets Wendy and Lisa do their thing. There's nothing greater. And the girls say, because we all hear the girls. We all know that Wendy and Lisa are singing the song. But he just wants to make sure that he gives them a shout out. Because, you know, guitars yeah. and drums on the one. So guitars. And I think at that scene when he says guitars and drums on the one is when Miko gets right up in the in the, in front or a prince is standing there and and or, i don't know i remember but i know miko gets like right up in front of the camera so that's, hey welcome to the welcome to the band miko we we've <laughs> we've seen you in the background there for a while but hey come on up and um brown mark does the same thing at one point the, he brings like the different the ones who aren't uh stuck behind drums drum kit or keyboards or piano but then Wendy, Wendy doesn't get to. She just sits on the on the Lisa's piano the whole time, and <laughs> with her, um, and she's kind of like got her back to us for most of the video, if I recall. 
every once in a while she'll peek her head around or, you know, turn her head back to, to sing a line and have us see her. Uh, just a cool video. Just a cool video. I know this is, this is a lyric podcast and nobody can see it with me, but come on. It's, it's available anywhere. It's on, <laughs> rent the movie. If you don't own it, rent it, uh, pull it up on YouTube, watch it. You'll have a great time because there's so much to enjoy about it. And of course you got to talk about Prince and his hat. I mean, the hat. Yes. <laughs> the hat. I mean, um, under the cherry moon parade is my favorite Prince era. Um, aesthetically, I, I, I just love it. Um, but that hat, that hat is incredible. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, that, that really brings us to the end of the lyrical dissection with the song that, like I said, there isn't a lot of lyrics. There isn't a lot of lyrics. There's the lyrics that we get. If you want to try to interpret them, if you want to make the effort, they certainly lend themselves to um, potential variety of interpretations, which is cool. They also make sure that um, you can apply them. They're applicable. They're not so specific that, you know, they, that they are going to, you know, turn off a popular uh, a portion or segment of the population because they can't be applied to everybody. They're universal. So I think that's a great, a great songwriting technique, even if he's talking about, even if you're not religious, you know, I mean, you're not, if, even if you're not religious, if you don't really believe in God, it doesn't really matter because the idea is greater than that. It's the idea is more about finding finding that happiness, finding that joy. And, and, and specifically you can, if you want to, you can find love and love for another person, love for yourself, um, love for society at, and at large fellow man and woman and child. So find that love and, and, um, find that needle in that haystack and climb that mountain. Do you have any additional thoughts that you wanted to touch on Leslie in regards to mountains? No, I think we covered it. Um, like I said, this is one that is on my, uh, when I'm sad, I put this on and, and it, it does the trick. So if anyone's facing that, like you said, in these, uh, as we all keep saying lately, unprecedented times, um, mm-hmm. that this song will, will, uh, will, will cures what ails you, as mm-hmm. they say. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and also if you have an extra seven minutes, throw on the 12 inch version, the 10 minute version. Yes. Because it's great. <laughs> you just kind of dance the whole time that it's on, and and if nothing else, it'll give you a nice workout. Definitely. So, <laughs> so thanks again for being on the show, Leslie. I appreciate your your time and your thoughts on this song. Uh, is there anything that you want to mention about uh, where people can find you on social media? Sure. Um, I actually have recently changed my. Uh, social media handles. I probably shouldn't do that. I need to brand myself a little bit better, but um, <laughs> currently on, on Twitter, I'm shockadelica 78 and on Instagram, it's Leslie L E S L I E underscore 3121 and uh, happy to interact with anyone. And of course, you know, you and I are both on discord. So um, happy to have a conversation there as well. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. All right, well, this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenniger. Thanks for joining me again, Leslie. And you can find my show, just type in Press Rewind Pod or Press Rewind Podcast, social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And uh, I've got a blog, PressRewind.net, where I try to post 
updates to episodes as I as I work on them. And um, I love this song. Listen to it. <laughs> Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.